Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchable News. It's Friday, August 18th, 2023, TGIF. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, House Republicans, surprise, surprise, are up in arms over Speaker Kevin McCarthy's government funding strategy. Number two, the punch power matrix. And number three, a look at Senator Dick Durbin's connections to Lithuania. All right, Jake, let's get into it. Uh, We are in the middle of the August recess, but that doesn't mean that the drama between House Republicans uh, has lessened one bit. Uh, We've certainly talked about this many times, but House conservatives are now in an uproar over the possibility of a short-term stopgap funding bill after their leadership, i.e. Speaker Kevin McCarthy in a conference call this week, floated it as the strategy that he thinks they should do going forward. Pretty uh, unsurprising, I would say, that the more conservative members don't like the idea of a short-term funding gap bill. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yes, this is a, a big this this is uh, let's not call it a big problem, but it's a problem for McCarthy. Um, even you know, but the reality is this: like, I, how do they get past September thirtieth? Which is again, I said this on our brown bag lunch yesterday for premium subscribers. This is like a month and 12 days away <laughs> that they need to fund the government. So, you know, they come back September 12th or whatever that is. I think it's September 12th. It's less than a month from now. And then they have like two or three weeks to get a, a funding bill through. It's just, not, it's not reality. It's not part of reality. So, you know, I, I a short-term stopgap is going to be necessary, but this highlights, so the, there's two dynamics to keep in mind here. There's the first dynamic, which is like, he's going to have to do a short-term stopgap. Can he put it on the floor if it if it passes with Democrats? I mean, he would like to not do it, but most normal thinking people in the conference understand that they that they should do a short-term, a month-long short-term. My guess is, and I was talking to uh, our team about this yesterday, our best guess is they probably do a a stopgap to like Thanksgiving. So what's that? A six week stopgap or so. Um, so, okay. So they do a six week stopgap. Could they pass it with Democrats? They probably don't want to, but they probably will have to. And does the right freak out in a way that they try to de- get rid of McCarthy? Um, if he does that, that those are the two things he needs to think about. Um, I, I don't know where he'll land on that, but it's just like they're not going to get it done by September 30th, everything done by September 30th. So they're going to need a short term. I mean, that's the reality. And and, and we have this morning, Mika uh, Soliner, our, our, um, one of our reporters, has quotes from Chip Roy saying, under no circumstances will I support a continuing re- resolution at the bloated, corrupt 2023 levels. Um Okay, so strong that's, language there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he said I might, might support a short-term series of twenty-four hour CRs to create maximum pain for Congress to do its damn job. Okay, so fine. Um, but, but that being said, Chip Roy is on the Rules Committee, so will he, will he vote against the rule? I mean, there's just so much, so many dynamics to keep in mind here. Um, uh. To, to think about going into this September. Um, just one more point, Anna, that I'll kick it to you. Like, 
I really think, I keep saying this, I really think this is going to be one of the messiest September funding fights we've had in a long time. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I think that we should all be prepared for that reality. Yeah, I think the only other, I mean, the thing that is just the baseline here, uh, and then we can move on, is, I mean, the House still has 11 appropri- appropriations bills. They have not passed. <laughs> they have 12 legislative days left until September 30th. I mean, when you look at that, those are the facts, right? Like the Freedom Caucus cannot like those. They cannot like the funding bills. But it's not as if the House is ready and prepared to pass something that then they can offer up to the Senate and the White House. And I think the other big dynamic and, you know, I, you know, McCarthy has overperformed so far since getting the speakership, I think has uh, really done much better than a lot of people expected him to do. But the difference here, I think, versus the last time we were kind of in this standoff between Congress and the White House is that you had Senate Republicans waiting, not making moves, waiting for McCarthy to say McCarthy needs to be the negotiator. That dynamic is not playing out the same way this time. You have Senate Republicans on board with most of these spending bills in line with the White House wanting that extra supplemental bill with the Ukraine funding and the, and the disaster relief funding. Uh, it's a very, very different dynamic. And I think for McCarthy, he's really boxed in here, as you note, you know, not only with his conference, but also just kind of generally the politics are really different here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that's that's a hundred percent true. Um, and McCarthy's going to have some big decisions to make. And um, what we keep saying internally, and um, we'll probably write about this in the coming weeks, is that if if you are a conservative, you know, if you don't have a funding bill by January one, then a one percent cut goes into play for the government. That was part of the debt limit deal. Now it would it would keep all you know democratic priorities because it would revert to 2023 a 2023 CR effectively congress could turn this off but if you're a conservative you just don't pass anything you you do CRs until January and then you get a 1% cut that's a pretty good deal for conservatives so um that is uh it's messy it's real messy all right, let's run to the number two story of the morning, the Punch Power Matrix. This is every week where the Punchful News team evaluates who's up, who's down. Typically, this is a benefit for our premium community, but uh, since we are AM only this week, we are sharing who we think is up. Uh, as of Friday, August 18th, we've got Mr. Michael McCall. Of course, the State Department, as we've been talking about, handed over more than 300 documents of Afghanistan documents to his team as part of the GOP withdrawal investigation. A big win for uh, the chairman there. Yeah, I'm happy to have the power matrix in the AM. We have Jamie Raskin, who is trying to go after, try to tell uh, the Justice Department that Daniel Snyder, the former owner of the Redskins commanders, Washington football team should be prosecuted for lying under oath to Congress, allegedly lying lying under oath to Congress, which is, you know, People don't like Dan, Daniel Snyder, and he's no longer the owner. But um, and Raskin playing to his <laughs> to his constituency in uh, in the D.C. area uh, is uh, calling for him to be prosecuted. Then we have Hakeem Jeffries. He had a good week because Republicans keep dealing with ethics issues. Ronnie Jackson's uh, a story we broke his confrontation with a police officer. George Santos, um, whose uh, former aide was indicted this week for allegedly impersonating Kevin McCarthy's former chief of staff. 
and he uh, pledged to take uh, to tell Dean Phillips, who was considering. you know, a run for president, I guess, Um, trying to take him down a notch. Dean Phillips is, by the way, the Democratic messaging chief who's been suggesting that that Joe Biden should be primaried. You know, it's always always a good, interesting here in Congress. Uh, And here's the folks that are down. President Joe Biden, uh, initial response to the horrific Maui wildfires uh, and a no comment delivered while vacationing in Rehoboth, Rehoboth Beach, rather. Delaware allowed Republicans to bash him. Former President Donald Trump, another week, another indictment. His fourth came in Fulton County, Georgia, for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election in the peace state. And Jake, I will let you handle the last one since you've been all over this. Scott Perry, who... Um who tried to convince Mark Houck, a um, conservative activist, to primary uh, Mike Fitzpatrick, who is the um, holds a very um, uh, swingy seat in Pennsylvania. Mark Houck would never win that primary, would never win, the, probably won't win the primary, but will never win a general election. Um, not a great idea to have uh, to suggest that one of your one of your delegation mates be primaried. And on to the number three story of the morning, a very interesting look by Andrew Desiderio, kind of deep diving into Senator Dick Durbin's four decades in Congress and, uh, you know, just the history that has informed Durbin's uh, current politics, but also his ties to Lithuania, which shares a border uh, with a Russian ally, Belarus, uh, and kind of his familial ties and how much he has kind of been imprinted by this country. Yeah, uh, Andrew went to the NATO summit a a couple months ago or a month ago and has gotten about 50 stories out of it, which is really, truly unbelievable for Andrew. Um, A very interesting look at Dick Durbin and his um, his history in with Lithuania. And, you know, we oftentimes it's kind of interesting. We oftentimes uh, know these lawmakers for their domestic politics. But so many members of the Senate have interesting stories. interesting views and interesting stations on the on the international stage, which I think is really interesting and is always something we try to focus on. And Andrew does a great job at capturing it. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. If you want to go a little deeper, sign up for our free morning newsletter at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.